relax under his care. He wants us to receive his gift of peace and rest, even in busy, extra busy times and extra stressful seasons. We've been living through stress now for a long season. It's only going to get worse. That's the good news. Because the shepherd is, is with us. That's the best news. He is always with us. So to care for others well, we need to let the shepherd care for us well. To be good leaders, we need to humbly follow our shepherd. And so with that said, let's look at Psalm 23, verse 1. David, as you know, was a shepherd, so he knew what shepherds needed to do. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I have everything that I need. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. I have no lack. I have no want. He meets my needs. David knew that sheep needed to be fed. Ticks needed to be removed. Noses needed cleaning. Wool needed to be shorn. Sheep needed guiding, nurturing, protecting, and rescuing. And David said, I need all that too. And the Lord does that for me. He is my shepherd. He takes care of me. Reuben, do you put Shrek up on the wall? Okay, so the top sheep, this is Shrek the sheep. He was found six years, he was found a few years ago. He had been lost or wandering in caves for six years. And during this time, his fleece grew. When he was finally found and shaved, his fleece weighed 60 pounds. Most sheep have a fleece weighing about 10 pounds. So for six years, Shrek carried extra weight simply because he was away from his shepherd. Man, that'll preach right there, right? When Shrek was found, a professional sheep shearer took care of his fleece in 28 minutes. So you see the bottom, he was actually quite cute once he got rid of all the junk. His 60-pound fleece provided enough wool to make 20 suits for men. When we stay away from our shepherd for too long, we also carry weights, baggage, sin, grief, pain, disappointment that he never meant for us to carry. We need to stay close to our shepherd. All right. Thanks, babe. You can take Shrek off the wall. The Lord is our shepherd. He nurtures us. He protects us and provides for us. He meets our needs. Remember Isaiah 40 verse 11 it says, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. I love that word gently. He gently leads us. Jesus, as you know, and according to Hebrews 1, is the exact representation of God the Father. So Jesus was also the exact representation of God the shepherd. In John 10, Jesus said he was and is the good shepherd. He takes care of his sheep, and his sheep know him, know his voice, and will follow no other shepherd. That must be true of us. In Hebrews 13, he's called the great shepherd. And in 1 Peter 5, Paul, uh, Peter calls him the chief shepherd. So we are his sheep. We're not frightened, stubborn, passive animals. I'm just declaring that over us. We are not like normal sheep, okay? We don't want to be like normal sheep. Passive, stubborn, having our own way. We want to be submissive, obedient followers of the one who will lovingly guide us in paths of righteousness and in safe places. So look at verse 2. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Sheep will not drink from running water. They need still waters to drink from and rest by. And our shepherd knows the green pastures and peaceful waters that each of us need, and it can be different for different people. Some people just need to be alone in their workshop. Others need to be out in nature, sitting by a lake. It might be your prayer closet. He knows what is the still, past, still waters and green pastures for each of us. We need to make sure we have found them and that we're getting to them often enough for our shepherd to care for us there, where we're drinking of that living water, where we're resting in the green grass and we're eating what is good for us. It says in Isaiah 55, why do you eat? that which does not give you life. Listen to me here and your soul will live. Our soul lives when we listen to him and hear his voice. So the places we drink deeply of Jesus need to be calm, still places. And we might need to fight to find those places or to create those places because all of our lives are now too busy, too scattered, too many people, too much noise, too many voices. So we've got to carve out still quiet places to meet with our God. Resting is actually a spiritual weapon. We've talked about spiritual weapons, especially when we looked in, in Ephesians. Resting will help us resist anxiety, stress, and fear. While at rest, we hear the Lord's voice more clearly. We're less scattered. We can think more clearly. We pray more in line with his heart. We are less stressed and irritated, and so we need these green pastures and still waters regularly. We cannot live off the surface of our lives. We need to dwell deeply with the Lord so that there's a wellspring of living water that we're living in and carrying with us as we go. Verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The word for restores is the Hebrew word shuv, and it means to turn back. It's taken from the larger word teshuvah, which means repentance. So actually what's implied here is as we're in a place of rest and peace with the Lord, that's when we can hear clearly where he's saying, turn back to me. You've gone astray over here. You're hiding in the caves and you're carrying too much weight of the world and of cares and concerns. And so we return back to a place of quiet and peace with the Lord. And in there, he restores our souls, our minds, our emotions, our will. We're restored back to a place of being in line with him. We repent from running in circles and being scattered to being on target, focused, and heading toward our goal, led by the Spirit of God. So he brings us back to the way we should go. He redirects us into paths of righteousness. God turns us back to be on track with what is best for us, which is walking in his righteousness. It's not going our own way. That's not what is best for us. There was a World War II Air Force pilot who flew over the Pacific Ocean. And when he radioed the tower and they asked his location, he said, I don't know, but I'm making record time. <laughs> and sometimes we're like that. We don't know where we're going, but man, we are making good time. 
so we need to repent. There are times often, in fact, this morning, and I was sitting quietly before the Lord, I felt like he spoke to me on this. This is where you've gone off. You need to pull back in. You need to repent. You need to bring your way back to where the direction I have called you to. Don't get scattered. Don't scatter your anointing. And I'm sharing that with all of y'all. Don't scatter your anointing. If God has given you a certain track to be in, don't try to do everything else. Do what he's called you to do. So when we repent and we get back to God's will for us, we align our hearts with his heart again. We adjust our priorities to meet and match his priorities. We need these times of dwelling deeply with God in quiet places because that's where we have experiences with him that will change our lives. And that's what we need. We need to confront the living God on a regular basis so we can line up with his will for us. That's when we get back on track. That's when our vision is established again. That's when our direction is adjusted. It's in the place of rest that God restores us. He turns us back to where he wants us to be. And then... He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, the word for paths in Hebrew is the word magal, and it means a circular track. In fact, the word for tire or wheel comes out of magal. So it's circles of righteousness. It's, you know, we think of a path as you, a path begins and a path ends. It's not with God. God is not limited to time. And he has always had circles of righteousness. And all we do is get on the path with him and walk in righteousness with him. So um, he leads us in these circular paths of his righteousness and his justice that go on forever. It's not like today I'm going to walk in righteousness and tomorrow I'm going to do my own thing. Once I've lined up my will with his and I've adjusted my priorities, I get back on that track, that track of righteousness, that track of justice and truth, and I walk in that track for the rest of my days. That's his plan for us. He leads us in paths of righteousness, circular tracks of righteousness for his namesake. And then verse 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the Lord is with us through the dark valley of the shadow of death. And this can be literal death or this can be figurative death. It can be our own death as we're nearing our death. It can be the death of a loved one that we're grieving. It can be a fearful situation that threatens to paralyze us. The Hebrew word for valley is a narrow gorge with sides like cliffs. It's not like a big valley. It's a narrow gorge. And so it's in that difficult, confined place that he is with us. We are not alone. And because he's with us, we choose not to fear. It's not that we naturally don't fear. We would naturally fear. We're in a confined place. We're starting to deal with claustrophobia in this fine place of difficulty. And yet, because we know he's with us, we will not fear. It's a declaration. It's a resolution. I will not fear because the Lord's with me. I, I believe the greatest pandemic right now is the pandemic of fear. We need to stand against fear. And whatever we're walking through or experiencing, we need to know the Lord is with me. I will not fear. So we choose not to fear evil, 
trouble or tragedy. As it says in, in Proverbs 31, I smile at the future. We can rejoice at the days to come, not because we know what they hold, but we know who holds them. So we feel at peace with him. It's not that bad things don't happen to us. They will happen to us. But we don't fear them. We fear the Lord and we rest in the Lord and we are secure there. That's where our trust is. When it says his rod and his staff comfort me, I always just thought it was two different sticks. Actually, rod is the scepter. It's the scepter of ruling authority and sovereignty. So he comforts me because I know he's ruling over all my situations. In the midst of this dark valley of the shadow of death, his scepter is with me. The ruling authority of the almighty God who is full of love, full of compassion, full of mercy, that is with me. And then the, the staff is the walking stick. And the staff refers to his help, his compassion, his companionship, and his guidance. <clears throat> so in the cramped conditions of a narrow gorge, God is with us in his authority and his companionship and his help. So we're comforted and secure. What a safe place to be. Turn with me to Isaiah 43. I want us to look at a couple of verses here. Isaiah 43. Let's start in verse 1. <clears throat> but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob... And he who formed you, O Israel. So obviously this is, the Lord is speaking to Israel, to Jacob, which is his Jewish people, his covenant people. But he also speaks this for us because we're grafted into the Jewish line. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And I just want to say that again. Don't fear. Fear not. I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. You belong to me. You're safe with me. When you pass through the waters, you will pass through waters. Waters in scripture usually refers to troubles. When you pass through troubling waters, they will not, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire and you will walk through the fire, you will not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Man, we're safe with him. Don't you love those verses? Yes. <clears throat> you know, we, we know we're going to go through tribulation. We know we're going to go through deep waters and through fires. Many of us are in refining fires right now. But the Lord is with us. That's his promise. So let's go back to Psalm 23. Verse 5, David switches metaphors from the shepherd to the host. And in verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So our host lays a beautiful, bountiful table for us to dine safely, even while we're hemmed in by enemies. And these enemies are often distressed 
trouble and affliction. They can be physical enemies. They can be people. They can be circumstances or situations. But what we don't want to think uh, is that it's only people or it's only some kind of enemy that way. We want to realize sometimes the enemies are within us, our own anxieties, our own stresses. And then there are enemies from without that come against us, stressful situations. So in the midst of that, the Lord makes us comfortable. He puts a table before us laden with good food. He protects us in the midst of enemies that are hostile to us, that would like to break us down, that would like to destroy us. In ancient Hebrew culture, the host would anoint the head of the guest with fragrant oil. Remember the time Jesus went into the home of Simon and, and a lady of reputation, bad reputation, came in and she anointed his feet with oil and wiped his hair with with her tears, and Simon, this Pharisee, said, man, if he was really a man of God, he'd know what kind of woman this is that's touching him and doing this. And Jesus knew his thoughts, and Jesus turned to him and began to speak to him, and he said, Simon, when I came into your house, you didn't even anoint my head with oil, because that's the common thing to do. And so that's what David is referring to here. The host, God, our host, sits us at his table laden with good things and he anoints our heads with oil. Isn't that amazing? That he is our host? We should be his host. We should serve him. We're his servants. We're his children. And yet he anoints us with oil. He serves us, takes care of us. So even while difficulties are surrounding us, he has anointed our head with oil. And what that also implies is his protection. The host always took care of his guest, even at the expense of his family. He would feed his guest first. He would make them comfortable first, and then he'd take care of his family. So that's how much the Lord values us and takes care of us. And then the last part of that verse says, my cup runs over which means I have more than enough. God's blessings overflow in my life. The overflowing cup was and still is today understood in Judaism to indicate the extravagant generosity of the host. And even today at some tables, especially with Orthodox Jews, they'll have a cup and a saucer. And after the host has given them so much rich food, and provided them so for so beautifully as the host of the table. He's anointed them with oil. He's had someone wash their feet. It's been a beautiful time of feeling loved and valued and precious. Then their response to him is someone will take that saucer and the cup and they will pour wine into the cup until it overflows into the saucer. And they will say, our cups run over. The generosity of the host it, a word picture is better than just saying, thank you for your generosity. You know, our cups run over. You've given us more than enough. We wouldn't have imagined all this, all this goodness and grace given to us. And that's how we are. Our cups run over as we sit at the table of our host. I love the first word of um, verse 6. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. That word surely is an interesting Hebrew word. It's ak. And it means surely or certainly, but most of the time in scripture, it's translated as only. 
So what David says is surely, certainly, only goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Man, I love that. So the word for goodness means favor, kindness, graciousness. Surely, only, certainly, goodness, kindness, and graciousness is going to follow me all the days of my life. Surely, mercy is going to follow me. Now, the word for mercy is the word chesed. We, it's more familiar to us. You've, John's used it in his sermons before. And it means the steadfast covenant love of God. So surely for the rest of our days, the steadfast covenant love of God is with us, upon us, and will follow us. What a blessing. The word follow us is a, a good Hebrew word too. It means to run after, to chase, or pursue. So what David is saying is surely, certainly, only goodness, the kindness, the graciousness, the joy, the favor, the mercy, the covenant love of God is going to chase me down. It's going to pursue me. It's going to follow me every day of my life. Chases us down. In, in Haifa, a few of us, when we were going through some really difficult situations in Haifa, Israel, we used to say to one another, I am waiting for the goodness and mercy to chase me down and catch me. I'm going to quit running so hard because I, am, I know that it's behind me, it's following me, but I need it. So I'm going to stop here and let it catch me. And then we also talked about the mercies of God that were new every morning, as we know in Lamentations 3, and we said, let's just go to bed because the mercies tomorrow will be new. And we need, we need new mercies. We've already run out of today's and it's only midday. We need tomorrow's mercies. Let's go back to bed. But surely mercy and goodness and kindness the amazing love of God will follow us. It'll chase us. It'll pursue us. I like that because the thought is in Hebrew, it doesn't just chase after you. It pursues you until it catches you all the days of our life. That's a good way to pray for people too. Lord, may your mercy and your goodness, your kindness, pursue them and chase them until you catch them and they turn around and they're caught by the reckless love of God. And they can't do anything but yield to it. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will sit down and abide. That's what it means to dwell. I don't just visit the house of the Lord. I live there. I dwell there. That's where I, I pitch my tent. In the house of the Lord. I love that word house because bite in Hebrew, it's not just your physical dwelling. It also speaks of household. It's the same word used for families. That's the household of McElroy. It's the household of Burr. It's, it's the household of God. So David is not just saying, I'm going to dwell in the house of God forever. He's saying, I will dwell in the dwelling place of God. Where God is, that's where I'm going to be the rest of my life. I just want to be where he is. Remember the song we sang two weeks ago? I just want to be where you are, dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, I just want to be with you. And that's what David is saying. I will. I choose to. I resolve to dwell. He's not just saying that's a promise for me in the future. I'm saying today, I will dwell. I will live. I will abide in the house, in the dwelling place, in the presence of God. Man, let's do that every day. Let's get up with those fresh mercies and say, today, I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. But it also means the household of God. I will dwell with the people of God. This is who God's aligned us with. This is who we network with in the kingdom of God. We're family with each other. So let's dwell with the household of God forever too. Let's not separate ourselves. Let's not let offense drive us away. Let's not, because offense is on the increase. Don't let offense separate you from your families, your friends, or from the household of God. Deal with offense quickly with the blood of Jesus and with forgiveness. Get back into, let him align you again in that circular track of righteousness, which includes forgiveness. And actually the word forever, I love the word forever, but it's actually mistranslated. He didn't say forever. He said to the end of days or for the length of days. So actually he wasn't saying, I've always thought what, what David said is, I will dwell in the house of God in God's house in heaven forever. That's not actually what he said. He said, I will dwell in the house of God in the dwelling place in the tabernacle of God and with the people of God for the rest of my life to the end of my days for the length of my days. He was really talking about his life here on earth. Isn't that interesting? And yet, we know the other is true too, what we've always known and believed, how we've interpreted it, that we will live with him forever too. But if we don't want to be in his presence here, what do we have to look forward to in heaven? Because we'll be in his presence all the time there. So let's practice now. Let's practice the presence of God. Let's enjoy him now to the end of our days. So David wasn't stating just future past just the future, he was stating his intention and his choice for the present. He intentionally chose to live in God's house and with his people. And so we too, for the end of our days, we will choose to abide in his house with his people in the household of God. So I've thrown out a variety of Hebrew words and probably now this psalm that you once loved and knew and could quote. Now it's all confusing and disjointed, right? That wasn't my intention. <laughs> So, so what I've done, what I've done is I've kind of um, rewritten Psalm 23 with some of the extra thoughts thrown in. So I'm hoping that we can uh, close with this and you can kind of see the beauty of it again with some of the extra interpretation, which is true because it's, it's Hebrew and it's how David wrote it. So he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. He nurtures, protects, and provides for me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I'm at rest in him, and I drink deeply of him. And in doing that, he restores my soul. He restores me to a place of peace and wholeness and righteousness. He brings me back from wandering and from sin to his circular tracks of righteousness. Even though I walk through the narrow gorge of the shadow of death, he is with me, so I will not fear. I won't fear any tragedy or evil. His rod of authority and his staff of companionship and comfort and compassion, they are with me and they bring me comfort and security. As my host, God prepares a bountiful table for me in the presence of my enemies of distress and terror and confusion. He protects me. 
He anoints my head with perfumed oil. My cup of provision and blessing overflows. He generously gives me more than I need. Surely, certainly, only goodness, favor, kindness, and the steadfast covenant love of God will follow me, chase me, and pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live and abide in the house, in the presence, and in the family of God for the length of days, for the rest of my life. So throughout our sojourn on earth, we are carefully, lovingly shepherded and generously hosted by our Father, the Almighty God. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. We are most blessed. You know, it is so good to be a sheep and to know who our shepherd is. I like how David also said in Psalm 100, I think it's 131, where he said, I don't try to figure out the things that are too profound for me. You know, things that are the arrogant things and the big questions people have, I don't try to figure all that out. I just sit and rest quietly with the Lord. As a child rests that with his mother, I just rest with the Lord. And that's what we can do with him. There's so many things that we don't understand. That's okay because he understands it all. And we can just rest with him. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for being such a good shepherd. Thank you for caring for all of our needs. Thank you that we never wander so far that you don't know where we are. And you know how to bring us back. And you're so ready to shear off all that extra weight, all the extra stuff we've carried like Shrek the sheep. Lord, even today, we, we lay before you our hearts, our lives, our minds, our souls. Lord, all the extra stuff we've carried, the burdens, the wandering, the sin, the confusion, the pride. Lord, today we lay that down at the foot of your cross. Would you wash us again with the blood of Jesus? Would you cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Would you grant us repentance that we could turn back to you? And we choose to do that. We will walk in paths of righteousness as you lead us. <clears throat> Lord, I pray we won't miss any of the blessings of you being our shepherd and you being our host because we've wandered too far from the shepherd. We want those blessings. We want the benefits of belonging to you. We need your protection. We need your provision. We need your care. We need your closeness. We need you to hold us and to love away the hurts and the pain. We need you to heal the rejections. And Lord, we need to sit at your table. We need to be hosted by you. We need that fragrant oil on our heads. We need to know that you've chosen us and accepted us and made us part of your family. And so we believe it. We believe it because you wrote it, because you said it. And we praise you for it. We worship you today as our shepherd and as our host. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow us in your presence, in your dwelling place, forever to the end of our days. We love you, Lord. We bless you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
So as you can probably guess, the uh, 10 o'clock gathering is going to be very full with people that are here for homecoming. Uh, you probably won't want to miss this gathering. If you don't fit into the 10 o'clock, there's always a gathering also in the chapel. But it's live stream. Everything's live stream. I don't think there's a, a, a live band. It, everything you'll see on the screen. But you can enter in very fully there too. So that's an option if you want to do that. God bless you all. Thanks for being here today. What do you want? When do you want?